Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Noise in Brief, PR Week UK's fortnightly podcast series where we discuss the biggest industry news stories from the past week in a bite-sized format. I'm Siobhan Holt, news editor at PR Week UK, and today I'm joined by our reporters, Evie Barrett and Eliza Radu. As we record the podcast, it's Tuesday 10th of October, which is World Mental Health Day. To coincide with this, Women in PR have launched its latest campaign, which aims to tackle burnout, which they describe as endemic in PR. As part of the campaign, the organisation has polled 150 women working in PR and discovered that two-thirds of senior women have considered quitting their jobs as a result of burnout. What do you both make of these statistics? I think it's quite shocking, but at the same time, in a way, it's positive that they're actually admitting to this and not shying away from it. They're looking for solutions for these issues and actually speaking out on them. So I think even though it's a shocking statistic, it's a step in the right direction to solving it. Yeah, they're not brushing it under the carpet, which is, Mm. as you say, it's the right step forward. I was really shocked that only 3% said that they were managing to completely switch off at the end of a typical day. Yeah, but then it makes you wonder what completely switching off looks like, because I don't know about you, but I've got my emails coming through on my phone. So even after work hours, I'm still seeing things that are coming in and thinking about what I've got to do the next day. So I imagine... In PR, even more so, it's a 24-7 profession, so they're going to have those struggles. Yeah, and a lot did actually describe that 24-7 is how they worded it, that Mm. that's sort of the career that they're in. And then 60% who said they were stressed or anxious or burnt out said that they find it difficult to talk about these feelings. And that, I also thought, was a really shocking statistic. What did you think? I think where the industry is so good at communicating, it's really heartbreaking that they're not able to communicate how they actually feel and I think I'm not sure if this is a women issue or a PR issue in general but I feel like being able to talk to your team and having someone there for you is so important Mm -hmm. to make sure you don't feel isolated and don't want to leave the industry because the more diverse the industry the better 
the outcomes and the better the products that they work on are. Yeah, and obviously in working life, it is a bit of a roller coaster, isn't it? There are ups and downs and we all have stresses at home and this is saying that it's caused by the work. But I think, as you say, you should be able to talk about that. You should be able to feel that you can. And that's a really shocking statistic to say that people aren't. And I think your point as well about communication. Yeah, when, when an industry prides itself on being great communicators, but they can't talk about how they're feeling in the workplace, that's just quite, that's really sad, isn't it? And then Evie, obviously, you've also spoken directly to professionals this week from across PR about this issue more generally. What they've sort of said. So I asked 23 comms pros from across the industry to give their best advice on tackling mental health struggles in the industry. And they had to do it in exactly 23 words, which <laughs> a lot of them said I could have done hundreds. Like, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's such a big topic. But actually, when you boil it down, a lot of them were saying similar things, which is promising as it means a lot of people are on the same page with these issues. One that really stood out to me was Simon Redfern, who is director of comms at Ofcom, said, the words used by leaders have power. Repeat after me, loosen the grip. It's only work. We're here to support each other. And I think especially that it's only work part that so often gets forgotten when you're so wrapped up in what you're doing and thinking about how important it is to do well for your company and that kind of thing. I wondered if there was any advice that particularly resonated with you guys. It's funny, that one actually stood out to me. Two stood out to me as well, two extra ones. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to copy John and do two. Sorry, <laughs> John's not here today. So yeah, the first was from Emily Horton from More Diverse Voices, who said, it's PR, not ER, which I thought was really interesting as a point. And she said that we need to create more psychological safety for our teams. We need to slow down and be kind. I thought that was a really good point. And then also Martin Curry, who's MD at City Press in Manchester. He said, build trust, talk honestly and give everyone agency. Only then can we find the right balance and the big issues affecting mental health. And that was sort of a similar point echoed by Jo Carr, president of Women in PR, where she sort of said a similar thing that, you know, talking about it is the way forward. And that's not only just individually, but as businesses. Mm, I think that's the really key message. What one did you like, Eliza? So one of the quotes that I liked came from Charlotte Brooks and Mischief. She said, our industry needs to foster a culture where people can discuss their mental health struggles and the support they need openly without shame. The word that really stood out to me was shame because sometimes it can feel so embarrassing Mm. when you're struggling with your mental health and you want to ask for help, but you see everyone around you and they seem to be doing just fine or you don't really know the intricacies of their brain. So you can't even tell if they're struggling with something. So it makes you feel like, why am I the only one going through this? But if we're able to foster a culture where everyone's happy to speak to each other and it's not like shameful to talk about how you feel, it will benefit the industry so much because it will create a space where people feel safe enough to speak. Mm, That's a really good point. I think so much of PR is about keeping up appearances, but you forget that you don't need to do that with your personal life if you're going through something you learn to be vulnerable with the people around you yeah whether you're struggling at home or in work you know there shouldn't be any shame there Mm. shouldn't be any limitations and as you say we're all different we're all on different scales in our lives and things so that we should be able to be open about things with our colleagues Next up, let's discuss office hours. Don't worry, this isn't a HR meeting, (laughs) guys. There's been a lot of news recently on hybrid versus office working. According to a report in The Guardian, nearly two-thirds of bosses believe that workers will actually return to the office five days a week within the next three years. And a majority of company leaders think pay and promotions could become linked to workplace attendance. 
And the comms sector isn't excluding this. Publicist Group, the owner behind PR agencies such as MSL and Taylor Herring here in the UK, they've announced that all employees will be required to return to the office three days a week. The group's chair and chief executive said all staff globally will be required to return to the office three days a week, including a mandatory presence on Mondays and no consecutive remote working days. And that's going to be starting from January next year. Uh, In a video to staff, he said that a disproportionate part of remote working was leading to siloed work, less collaboration, sometimes stunted creativity, fewer innovation and decreasing productivity. Evie Eliza, what do you make of this decision? I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the announcement. And I think they've made a valid point. If they're seeing a lot less collaboration, this could be detrimental to the business as a creative agency. However, following on from the pandemic, teams should be able to pick and choose when they go into the office because everyone works differently. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. I mean, I don't doubt that remote working has stunted creativity and collaboration in some cases. I think that's inevitable. But They should address this with the individual teams where this is the case rather than making a sweeping generalisation across the whole company, especially as it is such a large scale company. I also think that the phrasing of the announcement is quite strange. I think they've worded it as though staff get some choice when really they're saying we want you in on these three days. Could it be argued, though, that it's very hard? This isn't, you know, a small independent agency. This is a big agency. It's got advertising in it as well. You know, this it's it's global how much control do they necessarily have over thousands of staff that they employ how do they keep consistency as a message as a business you know without mandating what days the staff come in i I imagine a smaller agency probably has more flexibility to liaise with staff and find out what the consensus is yeah i think it is tougher as a big business because if you're a smaller business say 20 30 people whatever it's more likely that even the junior staff are going to have some kind of relationship with the top boss and there's going to be some kind of conversation back and forth so staff are probably more likely to understand where their bosses are coming from and talk about it before any decisions are made whereas I think with a company this big you have to be a bit firmer in order to get everyone on the same page. Yeah and it did spark quite a lot of debate didn't it in the sector on LinkedIn things. I know Kylie Borden at Finn Partners she described the decision as utter madness in her feature that we wrote and she said it shows that nothing has been learnt from pandemic And she said, by enforcing mandatory days in the office, it not only shows a distrust of your employees, but also rolls back the years to when presenteeism was rife. I think working from home also provides a lot of benefits. It reduces the commute time, which is really good for the environment. It also promotes flexibility, which is really important when achieving a work-life balance. So, for example, if you have children or if you have other responsibilities. So working from home can be really useful. Also, we forget sometimes people have disabilities and aren't able to commute. And working from home still allows them to be creative and they're still integral members of your team. But without these extra accommodations, they probably wouldn't be able to work for you. That being said, being surrounded by your team in the office allows you to collaborate more and it does foster a work culture. Without it, people will miss out on agency life and the magic behind brainstorming. At Haymarket, we work three days in the office and it really works for us because On the days I see the team, I'm able to talk to them, ask them questions, we're able to find out new ideas. But the days I'm working from home, I can just crack on in the morning and get everything done without 
the distractions the office environment normally has, like chatter and laughter and all the joy. <laughs> and, and teams that are on calls and yeah, all that background noise. I think as well it is interesting to say that we'd noticed from our Gen Z survey, though, that they didn't really want to be coming back to the office the five days. So this idea that that might be where it's potentially going if that report in The Guardian is correct might hit a clash when it comes to certain generations in the office that have got Mm. started during COVID or the pandemic and have got very used to working life being hybrid. Yeah, I think there's a strong business case from top level to be in five days a week. You can see why a lot of bosses are pushing for that. But on a practical and a personal level, I don't think it will work for the majority of people for a lot of the reasons that Eliza just listed. I think it's a nice idea in order to keep an eye on your staff. But like Kylie said, I think in some ways it does show a bit of distrust. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. October is Black History Month, which honors African and Caribbean contributions to society. Every October, the comms industry marks the occasion through a series of campaigns and activations. However, PR Week has asked what black PRs really think about the brand campaigns. Eliza, you spoke to PRs and creatives about this. What did they think? So after speaking with the PR pros, I think the industry wants to seem more progressive than they actually are. And although some agencies are doing amazing work and they're trying their best, it's still not enough. There was a common consensus amongst the respondents that Black History Month campaigns miss the mark because they're not authentic and they don't actually reach black people. There's a problem when campaigns generalise the black experience. And although the industry has moved far away from the traditional stereotypes, black people are not a monolith, which means being born in different regions also impacts your upbringing. In the views of the comm professionals, most successful Black History Month campaigns are built on diverse marketing teams and comms teams. They feature black actors and creators and actually have a real budget behind them. Without this, there's a huge margin for error. One of the comms pros actually said, brands who do not have black people in their comms team should spend less time launching Black History Month campaigns and more time looking for ways to hire black people, which really emphasises the importance of lived experiences when creating campaigns Mm, definitely I think obviously Black History Month is a great way to recognize what's gone in the past learn more and celebrate a community but 
when it fails, I think, is when brands see it as a simple calendar hook for mm. a one-off PR campaign, sort of a tick box. I mean, if brands are and their agencies are approaching Black History Month in the same way that they'd address something like Veganuary or Earth Day or World Poetry Day, any of those events, I think they're setting themselves up for failure because it, there's so much more behind it than yeah. that. Absolutely. I agree. And I think one of the creatives that was interviewed said, when we published the piece, if you were thinking about it for this month, you're already too late and that it needs to be a year campaign. It's not a month thing. It's not a day thing. You should be factoring this into your strategic plan, which I completely agree with. I think your point is right there, Evie, that it can't be treated how you treat other campaigns. Mm. The results of the latest version of PR Week's Top 150 Monthly Trading Tracker is now available. We've asked UK agencies from the Top 150 database about trading in September. What did the tracker reveal, Eliza? We asked about pitching this month and just over half said they had pitched far more for new business in September than they did over the same period last year. Well, that's good. This month, I've noticed there's quite a few mixed opinions from the tracker. While some agencies have noticed renewed momentum, others are still struggling. In terms of client relations... Almost two-thirds of agency bosses believe their clients are taking significantly longer to pay them compared to the same time last year. Yeah, the delayed client payments stood out to me too, especially as the figure jumped quite significantly from the previous month. In line with that, nine out of ten agency bosses also said that their clients have been taking longer than usual to respond as part of the new business process, which is quite remarkable. And in a way, it makes you wonder why a lot of agencies are pitching more if the pitching process is more difficult than it has been in the past. I think it probably comes down to most agencies wanting to be less reliant on a few larger clients and wanting to diversify their revenue streams, make their business more secure in case they did lose a big client. I've heard anecdotally from a few smaller agencies that they've been up against bigger agencies and they usually would be in pitches. So I think some bigger agencies may be lowering the thresholds of the accounts they pitch for, which is interesting. Yeah, I've also heard that anecdotally as well. Yeah, I'd agree. I think you're right that it's sort of maybe they're looking at how the balance is within their business on mm. some of the accounts. But I think also it shows that it's interesting that it's taken longer to respond. Mm. I'd love to know what reasons are behind that. <laughs> yeah, it almost seems as though clients know that their business is really needed and they're sort of maybe taking advantage of that and to kind of take their time and take liberties that they maybe wouldn't have done in yeah. the past. Yeah, or it could be procurements taking longer. Yeah, it's... I've had so much on procurement recently. Everyone seems to be really frustrated with the sign-offs and the contracts and things that would normally take six months to sign off are now taking a year mm. and that has a knock-on effect on the agency's work as well yeah especially if you're a small agency you know you haven't got a huge amount of resource there to play around with so I imagine that can be a real struggle to decide where you're putting the resources from your business is it going into new business or is it maintaining the current clients mm. and how do you balance that I mean obviously that's still a big challenge for big agencies as well you know they've got budgets and things to to keep to but if you're a small team I imagine that can be a real challenge all of the topics today we have written about on PR Week, so please do check it out. Okay, that's all for this episode. Noise in Brief goes live every two weeks. In the meantime, look out for our Beyond the Noise podcast next week. Thanks to Evie and Eliza, and thanks to you for listening. Goodbye. <laughs>